Chapter Fourteen of the Zeitgeist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Zeitgeist by Lily Dugall. Chapter Fourteen. Anne went up to the house. It was a great relief to her to remember that the man for whom she was going to ask help was no criminal. She could hold up her head and speak boldly. Another minute, and she began to look curiously to see how long the grass and weeds had grown before the door. It was some months since David Brown had been here. The doubt which had entered Anne's mind grew swiftly. She knocked loudly upon the door and upon the wooden shutters of the windows. The knocks echoed through empty rooms. She had no hesitation in housebreaking. In a shed at the back she found a broken spade, which formed a sufficiently strong and sharp lever for her purpose. She pried open a shutter and climbed in. She found only such furniture as was necessary for a temporary abode. A small iron stove, a few utensils of tin, a huge sack, which had been used for a straw bed, and a few articles of wooden furniture, were all that was to be seen. Upon the canvas sack she seized eagerly. Bart might be dying, or he might be recovering from some injury. In either case she had only one desire, and that was to procure for him the necessary comforts. Having no access to hay or straw, she began rapidly to gather the bracken, which was standing two and three feet high in great quantities, wherever the ground was dry under the trees. She worked with a nervous strength that was extraordinary, even to herself, after the toilsome night. When she had filled the sack, she put it upon the floor of the lower room, and went back to the canoe. She saw that Bart had roused himself and was sitting up. He was even holding on to the rushes with his hand, an act which she thought showed the dreamy state of his mind, for she did not notice that the rope had come undone. She helped Bart out of the canoe, putting her arm strongly round him so that he was able to walk. She saw that he had not his mind yet. He said no word about the help she gave him. He walked as a sleeping man might walk, when she laid him down upon the bed of bracken and arranged his head upon the thicker part, which she had heaped for a pillow. He seemed to her to fall asleep almost at once, and yet, for fear that his strange condition was not sleep, she hastily opened the bag of food and the flask of rum. She stripped the twigs from a tiny spruce tree, piling them inside the old stove. When they had cracked and blazed with a fierce sudden heat, Anne could only break bread crumbs into a cupful of boiling water and put a few drops of rum in it. She woke Bart and fed him as she might have fed a baby. When he lay down again exhausted, with that strange moan which she had always gave when he first put back his head, she had the comfort of believing that a better color came to his cheek than before. She resolved that if he rested quietly for a few hours, and appeared better after the next food she gave him, she would think it safe to cushion the canoe with bracken and take him home. This thought suggested to her to moor the canoe. She went down to the creek again, but it was too late. The water running gently and steadily had done its work, 
taken the canoe out from among the rushes and floated it down between the mosses of the swamp making her feet bare she sprang from one clump of fern root to another sometimes missing her footing and striking her knees through the green moss that let her feet easily break into the black wet earth in a few minutes she could see the canoe it had drifted just beyond the swamp where all the ground was lying under some feet of water but there a tree had turned its course out of the current of the creek so that it was now sidling against two ash trees steady as if at anchor so few feet as it was from her and saw at a glance that to reach it was quite impossible realizing the helplessness of her position without this canoe she might have been ready to brave the dangers of a struggle in deep water to obtain it but the danger was that of sinking in bottomless mud the canoe was wholly beyond her reach retracing her steps she washed her feet in the running creek and as she put on her shoes sitting upon the grassy bank in the morning sunlight she felt drowsily as if she must rest there for a few minutes she let her head fall upon the arm she had outstretched on the warm sod when she stirred again she had that curious feeling of inexplicable lapse of time that comes to us after unexpected and profound slumber the sun had already passed the zenith the tone in the voices of the crickets the whole colouring of earth and sky told her before she had made any exact observation of the shadows that it was afternoon she prepared more food for the sick man when she had fed him and put him to rest again she went out to discover what means of egress by land was to be found from this lonely dwelling she followed the faint trace of wheel ruts over the grass which for a short distance ran through undergrowth of fir and weeds she came out upon a cleared space of some acres from which a fine crop of hay had clearly been taken apparently about a month before whoever had mowed the hay had evidently been engaged also in a further clearing of the land beyond and there was a small patch where tomatoes and pea vines lay neglected in the sun the peas had been gathered weeks before but the tomatoes later in ripening hung there turning rich and red and went on across the cleared space following the track she came to a thick bit of bush beyond where a long cutting had been made just wide enough for a cart to pass through there was no other way out Anne must walk through this long green passage no knight in a fairy tale ever entered path that looked more remote from the world's thoroughfares when she had walked a mile she came to an opening where the ground dipped all around to a bottom which had evidently at some time held water for the flame weed that grew thick upon it stood even the tops of its magenta flowers as level as a lake it was in fact a lake of faded crimson lying between shores of luxuriant green the cart ruts went right down into the flame flowers and she thought she could decry where they rose from then on the other side evidently the blossoming had taken place since the last cart had passed over and no doubt many miles intervened between this and the next dwelling-house nothing but the thought of necessities that might arise for help on bart's account made her make the toilsome passage knee-deep among the flowers to see whether beyond that the road was passable but she only found that it was not fit for walkers except at a time of greater drought than the present the swamp crept round in a ring so that she discovered herself to be upon what was actually an island 
and turned back realizing that she was a prisoner on her way home again she gathered blood-red tomatoes and finding a wild apple tree she added its green fruit to what she already held gathered in the skirt of her gown starvation at least was not a near enemy she had made her investigation calmly and with a light heart she felt sure that bart had grown better and stronger during the day and that was all she cared about she never paused to ask herself why his recovery was not merely a humane interest but such a satisfying joy the knowledge of her present remoteness from all distresses of her life as a daughter and sister came to her with a wonderful sense of rest and opened her mind to the sweet influences of the summer night and its stars as that mind had never been opened before she cooked the apples and tomatoes making quite a good meal for herself then she roused bart and gave him part of the cooked fruit. End of chapter 14 Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida